Rebellions are built on hope. Incoming transmission. Radio Rebellion. Welcome to another episode of Radio Rebellion, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, as always, Alberto Calderon, and thank you for joining us on another great Star Wars weekend. It's Saturday. It's the weekend. We're loving it. Taking a little break. No work. I'm on a work vacation for another week, so relaxing. Trying to take it easy. A lot of work around the house, but it's to be expected when you take time off. But we're here to talk Star Wars, and we got a great guest joining us today, some great topics to go over so i can't wait to talk to you guys so um yeah how are you guys doing thank you as always for being here if you're joining us on the chat thank you it's always good to have you here our friend dale how are you doing dale world welcome glad you can catch us today dale i know you've been working hard doing your yard doing some stuff over there glad to have you here on the live show today as always um so yeah any hasn't been a lot of star wars news really this past week Kenobi's coming, the Andor show we talked about last week is going to be great. But Star Wars, apart from the Bad Batch, not a lot of news out there, which is fine. Taking it slow, talking Bad Batch. It's going to keep ramping up as we get closer to all the new shows out there. Uh, we had a great time last night. We joined the Geeky Waffle on their Bad Batch recap videos that they do every two weeks. Talking about the, the yesterday's episode and the week before. So a lot of fun there. So you guys should go check it out on the Geeky Waffle podcast, YouTube page. A lot of great guests were there yesterday. So we had a lot of fun. Hope you guys, if you didn't catch it, go watch it whenever you get a chance. So yeah, so like I mentioned, if you guys are watching this, make sure you hit that like button, that thumbs up. It always helps knowing that you guys are liking what we're doing. Uh, if you're watching this later on the replay, make sure to leave us a comment. What do you think about Bad Batch in general? Episode 8, the Midway Point Reunion, was a great episode yesterday. Let us know what you think. We're also going to be talking about Dooku Jedi Lost, that great audiobook by Kevin Scott. So let us know. And subscribe. Subscribe to the channel if you're not already. And if you're listening to the to this on the audio podcast when it comes out later this week, thank you also. And make sure that you're following it so you don't miss when new episodes come. And leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Reading those are always fun and also help us. So thank you. And I think I think that should be enough for right now. Let's go ahead and bring our guest. I'm very excited. I was very short notice. I didn't know if I was going to have a guest or not this week. My first guest, Meg Dowell, couldn't make it. She had some important family things to deal with. She couldn't come. But then I put out the word out there on Twitter. And about two days ago, got a call back. And she's here. We're going to have a lot of fun with the host of the I Rebel podcast. It is Jedi Geek Girl. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on. No, no, again, thank you. Like we're talking a little bit before we started and I just said it was very short notice, but you shoot me a DM on Twitter. Hey, you still need a guest. 
let me know your you say you're very that Dooku Jedi Lost is one of your favorite stories. So very excited to have you here to talk about Dooku, Bad Batch, and a lot of other stuff. I am so excited to talk about Dooku Jedi Lost. It is definitely one of my favorite stories in canon. And I knew that this episode of Bad Batch, this last episode, there was a lot of hype for the reveal. Yeah. We'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. So I knew I had to talk about Dooku Jedi Lost because okay. it's like right up there, top five, not, not counting the TV shows, films, mm-hmm. and the video games, just probably top three. Yeah. I mean, I will talk more about it later, but I got into Dooku Jedi Lost pretty late. I know this book, I got that book, but it came out as an audio drama, I, I guess, about one or two years ago. And I heard great things about it, but I didn't pick it up till about a week or so ago. Like I said, I was on vacation, so I had time, extra time. So let me get it, see what all the hype is. And it is a great story. So can't wait to get into that with you in a few minutes. But before we, we jump into Bad Bash Duke and all that other stuff, it's your first time here. Like I said, thanks again. But can you tell us a little bit for your own podcast, the iRebel podcast, what can people expect from it when the, the idea came to do a podcast and just a little bit of background on it? Sure. So I originally started podcasting in 2016 with a podcast covering Star Wars Destiny. Star Wars okay. Destiny is mm-hmm. a card and dice CCG game by Fantasy Flight Games. I did that up until 2017 where I launched my own podcast called Ivy Bell, still mm-hmm. focusing on Star Wars Destiny. I did that up until last year where the game ended and I had to move on. So I changed over mm-hmm. to just focusing on Star Wars in general. I Rebel is a podcast where I have rotating guests on like, mm-hmm. like you do from other sources, one or two guests. And I alternate between a canon story and a legend story each, uh, each episode. So like episode 101 was like Thrawn. Mm-hmm. Half the Empire, then 102 was Phantom Minutes, and so on, alternating back yeah. and forth. Cool, very interesting. It's hard, I'm sure, as you know, trying to branch out doing Star Wars podcasts because there are so many Star Wars podcasts out there, and a lot of them kind of do the same thing. And I'll throw myself in there's either talking about the weekly news, covering the show, so a lot of them are very similar. And it is difficult to find a little niche out there to branch out a little bit. And I think doing what you're doing, one week do Legends, one week do Canon, kind of mix it up. It's very interesting for the fans out there. So make sure if you guys aren't checking I Rebel, make sure you guys check that out. Um, so just to get you to know you a little bit better, what's your Star Wars story? Because we're all fans. I mean, we don't gatekeep. If you like one movie, you're a Star Wars fan. If you jump into everything, you're a Star Wars fan. But to get to a point that we're doing a, a podcast, there has to be some a lot of dedication to it, I guess. But when did you get interested in Star Wars that took you into this trajectory and this journey to then want to do a podcast about it? My story started back in 1996. I was a wee little youngling. <laughs> and one of the habits I had growing up was going through my mother's videotape collection. Mm-hmm. One day, I stumbled across the THX Star Wars Trilogy box set. I wow. watched it, and I know that I watched it a lot. Don't ask me how <laughs> many times, but I know I was really into it. Mm-hmm. And that is where my love with Star Wars really began. I 
was always a fan, but I wasn't really hardcore into it. Like growing up, my EU, my investment into Star Wars was the video games. And right. then, you know, real life happened and I was just being an adult, you know, going to college and I yeah. never really paid attention to it. And it wasn't until The Force Awakens was announced and getting back into Star Wars in 2015 that in 2016 where I really dove into Star Wars and I'm like you know what the canon was resetted I can do this because you, you have a new beginning so yeah. I decided to go back and catch up on canon and then I caught up on can after I got caught up on canon I'm like you know what I'm just going to go ahead and dive into Legends because it you, there isn't as much pressure as there was back in the day with yeah. all the content like one of the reasons why I never dove into uh, Legends back in the day is not only was there a whole bunch of new stuff coming out in the prequel trilogy, but there was all this back stuff. So it was kind of hard to mm -hmm. catch up and keep relevant. Where with canon, canon is a little bit slower and I'm already caught up so I can take the downtime to catch up on my uh, Legends because I don't have to worry about Legends changing. So that's pretty much been it, it's my journey. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, I understand completely, especially when you talk about, oh, canon is new, starting fresh. Um, just real quick, I grew up with Star Wars. I was born in 1980, so I grew up with the original trilogy. But then when there was nothing, me starting to be a teenager, I kind of dropped drop off because there wasn't really anything, no movies. I wasn't into the EU stuff at that point. And it wasn't until the special editions were released late in the 90s that really got back into Star Wars and from then it just kept growing. But I never got into the EU novels because they just seemed too many out there like you mentioned. But once the new canon started and they said, okay, the EU is still there, but we're not gonna continue with it. This is the new starting point. I did the same thing in terms of the book. I said, okay, now I can start fresh with the new canon, new canon stories. I've seen all the movies, but now I can also dive into the books. And it's been a lot easier to follow now because we've been there since the start. I haven't really gone back to the EU, although I've, I've read a few books out there, not a lot. I got to pick up some of them. I know the Darth Plagueis book is one that I need to pick up at one point. But yeah, once the new canon story was a lot easier to now kind of jump in and grow with it. So it's very interesting. We both have that kind of same idea when the new canon was, was started. So where did the name I Rebel came from? We know this from, of course, Gene Erso mentioned it in, in that trailer for Rogue One, but was that why you wanted to use that name for a reason or where did you decide to go with that name for the podcast? So obviously the name came from the Rogue One trailer mm -hmm. and I was really attached to that quote because I feel like who I am as a person, how I act, my personality, I'm very rebellious. I am very independent. I am very, I don't, I'm don't conform. Mm -hmm. I like standing out and I'm basically a rebel at heart for better and for worse. It's not all good. It's not all bad. Yeah. And it, 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 it's a cheesy line, but it really stuck out with me. And another reason is, is I feel like and I noticed this as I got an order, whatever, I feel very, I can relate to Jen. Mm -hmm. And I can see a lot of myself and a lot of my story in her. And it's kind of interesting because her story, as told in Rogue One, is like this one story is fi fixed. Mm -hmm. However, our life 
doesn't just start and end in two and a half hours. It is a constant thing. So I find myself connecting to her and then connecting to her and connecting to her because, you know, life is, you know, things just keep on happening. It's like, I wish it was a transformative thing, but like real <laughs> life isn't like you, you yeah. just don't have a magical moment and everything changes, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a constant change or whatever. So yeah, I, I really stuck out with that at, and I really connected with that. And that is why I went with the name. Yeah. I mean, great. I mean, the more into this podcasting and Star Wars Twitter and things of that nature, starting to see more and more people relate to Gino's and her story, which is, I don't, it's interesting. And also another reason why we need more diversity out there because more people connect to different characters. But it's great to see that Gino is, even though she was only in one movie, has this arc or her story connects so much with people out there. I've been reading, I don't know if you read uh, Rebel Rising, that novel. I've been reading it this week. It's very interesting. Goes goes deep into Gina Erso's background and growing up from the beginning of Rogue One when she's left by herself after her parents are killed and so Guerrera rescue her. It goes all through her uh, teenage years till we meet her in Rogue One. So it's very interesting that that book which give us more background on, on Gina Erso. Um, so being a Rogue One fan, a Gina Erso fan, are you hype interested in the new Cassian Andor TV show that's coming hopefully next year? Oh yeah, I definitely cannot wait. I <laughs> love Cassian as well. I'm looking forward to diving back into that semi-universe with some of mm-hmm. those characters. I mean, obviously there's rumors and there's been confirmations and stuff like that. It's going to be really interesting diving back into that world. It's going yeah. to be interesting for it to uh, experience that story without Jen. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And I believe it's going to be more than one season, like one or two. So should be interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I know at some point they say it was a, uh, like a limited series or something like that. And then there were some comments. Oh, excuse me. First, that K2SO was going to be in, the, in this season. Then, no, maybe in season two. So I don't know. I don't think it's been official how many seasons. I do hope it's more than one. But we'll see. It's one of those series that's difficult to gauge how long it can go, knowing that Rogue One is right there. So it can be like six seasons. So we'll see. We won't have a long a lot of time to to wait for it. So apart from the Cassian Andor series, we have a lot of other Star Wars TV shows coming, a few movies that we know are around the corner, and of course all the new books, the High Republic and all that stuff. What else has has you, or what are you looking forward to in Star Wars in the coming years? Is there one story that you're really looking forward to? That is such a hard question because <laughs> it's like, what is the qualifier? Mm-hmm. If, if, if you made a qualifier, it would be a lot easier for me to pick. It's like, hey, what other TV and film? Like, what are you looking for? Like, what mm-hmm. book are you t- telling? Like, there's so many. Um, my, my, I'm going to give you my top five. Okay. Um, Doc? Um, Dark, uh, well, what is that one with, um, Dark Acolyte. Uh, oh, Acolyte. the Acolyte, yes. Ar- yeah, Acolyte is one. Rogue Squadron mm-hmm. uh, with, with Patty Jenkins. Yeah. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. More the High Republic. I know that we're still in the High Republic, mm-hmm. but more, I still yes, count that as more. And mm-hmm. Jedi Fallen Order too. Okay, cool. That's one, I... I drop off from the games. I just heard great things about Jedi Fallen Order. I've only watched the cinematic, so I know the story. 
But yes, I know a lot of people are very high for Fallen Order 2. Completely agree 100% with the High Republic. Even though we started, there's still so much. And that's what I'm extremely excited for is the continuation of the High Republic. Andor, for me, has always been one that I've been extremely excited for. And of course, Kenobi, and when the Acolyte was announced, that, that went up real high on my looking forward to this. So I think we're in a similar similar mind range in the things we're looking forward to out there. Um, so yeah. yeah. Did Go I ahead. mention Obi-Wan Kenobi? I don't remember, but I'm also looking forward to Obi-Wan Kenobi because I'm, I'm a prequel baby. So <laughs> I'm yeah. looking forward. Yeah, prequels, that's the hot thing out there. The prequels, all the people that grew up with the prequels are now out there, the adults, they're letting their voices be heard. And it's great that it's gotten all this love now. Even I love the prequels when I watch them, when they came out, I drop off a little bit, but the more I watch them, the more I entertain with them. Right now, Revenge of the Sith is my favorite movie of all of them. So the prequels, I get it. Prequel babies out there, keep doing what you're doing because you're making this a lot better for, for a lot of us. If if I may say, uh, my favorite Star Wars film is Revenge of the Sith. And yeah. The Phantom Menace is a film that the more I watch it, the more I love. I mm -hmm. know this. It yeah. seems like, you know, obviously as you get older, you see more and more layers. And I think of all the Star Wars films, the Phantom Menace is one that my love just keeps growing and growing and growing for it. I don't know if it will move up my list or like my mm -hmm. ranking or whatever, but that's just something I have to say. And yes, Revenge of the Sith is my favorite Star Wars film. Yeah, I understand for Phantom Menace. I always like Phantom Menace, but it was on the bottom of my list. Late last year, I watched all the movies and to talk about them in the podcast and then wanted to do a ranking. And when I watched The Phantom Menace, it was the most fun I had watching all of the movies. It wasn't my favorite, but it jumped a lot of spots of how fun that movie is and how much it introduces. It builds this new galaxy that we didn't know at the time. So there's a lot to love on Phantom Menace. And it's a very entertaining movie. So yeah, I think I'm right there with you. The more I watch it, the more it kind of grows on you. So yeah. I think I think with one of its biggest criticisms, uh, obviously growing up and you hear people talking about it. A lot of people didn't really care for the Phantom Menace because it feels like it is very disconnected to the other at the time five, where yeah. now I think it is actually a benefit that is, is a little, obviously it's connected to the other Star Wars film, mm -hmm. but I actually think it is more of a benefit that is more connected because it's like you can just watch it just like you can A New Hope and just enjoy it and stand on its own. So I actually think with it being more distant from the other Star Wars film, I actually think that's more of a benefit now than a hindrance yeah i think i hadn't thought about it that way but yes now that we know the whole story and we can see where it began basically it does gives it gives it a little a different vibe to it and i do i, I agree so it's like a very interesting way to look at it from that point of view but yeah i think it does make sense um all right so I think you guys are ready. I'm ready. So let's talk Star Wars. And today, let's talk about The Bad Batch, Episode 8. I don't know why I have Episode 7 down there, but Episode 8, Reunion. Let me update this real quick. And we had the return, I will talk more about it, the return of Crosshair and the Empire. But so, yes, Bad Batch. Episode eight. So we're halfway through the Bad Batch now, starting the second half next week. Before we jump into this episode, 
what are your thoughts about the Bad Batch so far? I guess first, were you interested when this was announced at the next animated show? And what are your general thoughts of the first seven episodes before we talked about episode eight? So when the first when the show first originally got announced, I was like, really? You're going to do a show <laughs> on these four characters? I mean, like, I get it, but it's like, I was hoping that you would go a different direction with the mm -hmm. anime. Like, I get it that you're trying to target certain demographics, and it's like, of course, you want the clone stories and stuff like mm -hmm. something like that, but I want a different story. I want a story yeah. that's more something that I would be interested in, and yeah. I just didn't think much about it. And then I saw the trailer. <laughs> And then I saw the trailer, and like I said, prequel baby, and mm -hmm. I just absolutely, as soon as you hear Palpatine say <laughs> he's speaking yes. to the clone, ex execute Order 66, <laughs> I, was, I was like, okay, I'm hooked on it. It was looked beautiful. It was like, it's coming out of Revenge of the Sith. It's, you know, it blends the Revenge of the Sith and Clone Wars. And mm -hmm. then at that point in time, I was really hyped for it because it was tying into my nostalgia and my passion, <laughs> and I was really looking forward to it. Yeah. Let me say and hi before you, sorry, before you continue, say hi to Lauren. Hi, Lauren, how you doing? Thanks for joining us today, talking Bad Batch. Love to hear your thoughts on it. I saw some of your tweets out, I knew you were hyped for it. So love. thanks for being here, Lauren. Sorry, can you continue? And then we got, then an, Omega was announced, or yeah. I should say, got shown, and then I yeah. was really connected to her, and I absolutely fell in love with her in the first episode. And yeah, I really am loving the Bad Batch because it is that blending. It, I noticed that the Bad Batch is a blending of the Clone Wars and Rebels. It mm -hmm. seems like where you have the a lot of the settings with the Clone Wars and obviously the familiarity with it. You have the clones and stuff like that, but you also it, it intertwined with the tighter storytelling that mm -hmm. was featured in Rebels. And then, of course, it's soaked in that post-Revenge of the Sith era. Like, I think right now, at the most, we are like two or three months out of Revenge of the Sith. Like, we're still really close to Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And... Every episode that I am watching, I am just loving it more and more. And I am not one of those people who like want a bunch of cameos in my shows, but I mm -hmm. feel like Bad Batch is doing a good job, even starting with episode one with Caleb, aka Kane and Jess. I thought that yeah. was perfectly per done perfectly. And then we had Finnick Chan. You know, and then obviously mm -hmm. this leads us into this last episode. So yeah, I am absolutely loving Bad Batch. Cool. Yeah, I had a similar reaction. I wasn't too in love with the Bad Batch arc on Clone Wars Season 7. So when it was an hour, I was like, okay, I'll watch it, but I'm not really hyped for it. But at the same time, I know that Star Wars animation hasn't failed. Everything that they put out has been great. So I did have that. Okay, I'm not too inter interested in it. But Star Wars animation has always been good, so I'll give it a chance. That first episode sold me on it. I really enjoyed that first episode. Of Unfortunately, we got to see Order 66 again, and we all had to suffer that trauma again, knowing what was going to happen. But I, I am enjoying that tighter storytelling, like you're saying. It's not the every three episode arcs, like the Clone Wars. It's more Rebels in that there's one story that we're following, so I do enjoy that. And although there have been a few episodes, I for me, they've gone up and down. This last one really got me back into it. 
Um, I do like Omega. It's it's it got me a little bit. It took me a little bit to fall in love with her. I know a lot of people, like you said, from the episode, for the first episode, as soon as people saw her, yeah, Omega will do anything for her. It took me a, a few episodes to get behind it, but I'm really, really liking Omega and really liking some of the storytelling that they're doing. I had it for later, but since you brought it up, the cameos, and you think, and you just said that the cameo have been, there haven't been too many. Do you think? And I don't think so, but I sometimes started to think about yesterday that they're, they're relying too much on cameos to keep the people, the fans engaged in this story. Because yeah, we had Kanan in the first episode, then we have Fennec Shand, we had then uh, Rex last time. Now, we'll just say it, Cat Bane was here. Do you think they're relying too much on the cameos to keep the people kind of focused on the show? Or do you think that storytelling in itself is enough? So this is a loaded question. So I am going to say that I really, it, it's really a complicated question because one of the frustrations that I have with Star Wars as it is right now is the over-reliance on the original trilogy and familiar mm -hmm. characters. I feel like there is a balance that can be struck in animation does it really well. It seems like, yeah, you have like in Rebels, you had Mon Mothma, you had Star Greer, you had Phoenix Chan and Bad Batch, it, but it seems like th how these cameos, they fit a lot better into mm -hmm. it. And it it does a good job of connecting the universe to other series and stories in this thing, but it also makes the universe smaller. Yeah. Uh, so it, 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 it's a really complicated situation because I think how it is handled in animation is a lot better than it was in Mandalorian season two, where it's like every guest star <laughs> was a plot. You know, sure. you had mm -hmm. Baba and then you had the Baba series. You have Ahsoka and you had the Ahsoka mm -hmm. series. And then you had the uh, Rangers of the New Republic. Mm -hmm. So it just like all these, all these guest spots in season two of the Mandalorian felt like she went in for to pitch story ideas yeah. for other things where it feels like in animation, it feels a little bit more natural and more connected. And I have been really enjoying it, but at the same time, I am frustrated with this making the universe smaller. That's one of the problems Legends mm -hmm. had is like the universe was so small because it was always focused on the original trilogy characters. And yeah, it, 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 it's such a hard thing to Bit balanced, and I think it makes sense to bring Cat Bane in because I don't know if you know or if people know that they originally had a story in the Clone Wars with Cat Bane and Boba Fett that they never yes. really got to complete. Mm -hmm. So I think with David Filoni, he got to do this project, and I think it gives him an opportunity to finish some threads that he never really got to complete. Like the Clone Wars in season seven was him mm -hmm. completing a Soka story. That was the point yeah. of the Clone Wars season seven. It wasn't to wrap up every single story. It was to complete a mm -hmm. Soka story. But you still have threads out there that need to be tied up. Like, I don't think we'll get this thread, but if you watch the Clone Wars, I believe uh, Asad Singh, uh, yeah, uh, no, Oh, Singh still has mm. the Slave One, I believe. 
Boba Fett okay. never really got to slave one back, so that's a thread. And then yeah. obviously you have the thread of Cad Bane. Like, why isn't the Cad Cad Bane around? You know, in later stories and stuff like yeah. that. That story was already told, but we never really got to see it in its complete form. So the the cameo and bringing Cad Bane in, I think, makes sense because I do believe it will lead into completion of his story that David Filoni never really got to do in it with his original runs with the Clone Wars. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, and I thought the same thing. Not as soon as I saw him, because I love seeing Cat Bane and the way he was utilized in this episode. But when you start thinking about, okay, so what else can Cat Bane do? That was one of the things that came into mind. Oh, now they have this opportunity to finish that storyline, which I know some people say, oh, it's already canon, because they said that that story is canon, even if we didn't see it. But now we might be able to see it on live action, I mean, in animated here in the Bad Batch. And I hope they do show it at some point. Um, with the cameos, I cannot go back and forth. I do understand that there might be a lot of them, but hearing other people talk, it's also what, who else can be around because we're so close to the events of Clone Wars. So it makes a little bit of sense that we see some of the same characters. But one thing that we mentioned on our show last week with our guest Wannabe Jedi podcast was, well, you just say, why do we always focus on the same 10, 10 characters? Everything happens to the same 10 characters. Let's expand the universe. So hopefully the second half of the season kind of lets the Bad Batch go by themselves and doesn't rely too much on those type of cameos. But again, it's it's a long series with I mean, a long season. We don't know how many seasons are going to be in this series. I do hope that they kind of hold back a little bit on cameos every other week. But so far, I'm really enjoying what they're showing. So, I would like I would like yeah. to say that with the cameos that we have gotten so far in Bad Batch, they have either have had a purpose, or mm -hmm. you can just dismiss. Like it was cool seeing a young Caleb, but his story never really changed except for the fact that Bad Batch was there. Was there? Phoenix yeah. Chan. Phoenix Chan is like a newer character, and it's like you want to grow her story, and having her in Bad Batch. Yeah, maybe you didn't need her in Bad Batch, but it makes sense that she's a newer character, and you're trying yeah. to, you know, establish the legacy. Cad Bane has a purpose, like I said. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't want to complete that story. That makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, fans have wanted that story, and it just gives a chance for to reinvent that story and get to so we get to have that story and that story actually be completed uh with rex it makes a lot of sense because they needed to get the chips out of the head and i listened to what the force when they were talking mm -hmm. about this episode and she was like that the, they had the reason why they're doing this is so the bad batch can do it to others oh, and okay. so 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 i'm hoping and hoping that we get a little clone rebellion <laughs> yeah you know led by the bad batch but so the purpose cool. of yeah so the purpose for rex to do it is you have to have somebody come and remove the ships and show them how so they can remove can the ships off some people because i'm sure they will because you still have a couple of the clone troopers from rebels who mm -hmm. don't right. have the ships that we don't see not that we need to see them get the ships removed but it it, it it serves the purpose that we will see um hopefully later this season if not hopefully if they grant it like a season two or season three yeah i don't remember exactly what was said but someone mentioned there was a line in one of the episodes i think the previous one with rex saying something that alluded that there could be more clones out there where the chip didn't activate. I then it does make sense for the Bad Bash to know how to remove it to then go help any other clones that they might find. So that's very interesting. Hopefully it's something that we can see moving forward. 
So you mentioned you're a fan of Jedi Fallen Order, and we're still in Braca in this episode. You saw Braca on the previous episode, episode seven. What was your reaction seeing that planet? And then still, they're still there when this episode starts. So I did not know that was the same planet as Jedi Fallen Order. I know. <laughs> Blasphemous, I know. <laughs> I, I was so embarrassed. It wasn't until I was, again, listening to What the Force, and mm-hmm. they were talking about it, and they were like, that's the same planet as Jedi Fallen Order. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, I was really excited when I found out. It was awesome. I mm-hmm. love seeing connection to Jedi Fallen Order. I think it is one of the best stories that we have gotten in mm-hmm. canon, and I recommend that if you don't want to play it, it has a story mode, which makes yeah. the game pretty much really easy. So you can just, you know, that's how I played Squadron. Yeah. Um, just so you can experience it. But like, yeah, I was so happy to see that connection. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. I remember hearing the name. I know I've heard that name Braca before, but I couldn't point, uh, figure it out. So I, I, I searched for it and said, oh, Jedi Fallen Order. Okay. So don't feel too bad. There, we, It's impossible to remember everything out there. Uh, but then we also go back to Camino, and I think that's how the episode starts. We're in Camino, the Caminoans want to get Omega back. They say they have a contingency plan, and they have bounty hunters out there looking for her. Then we have this General Rampart, kind of, he's done with the clones and with the Caminoans. Um, do you have any theories why the Caminoans want Omega back and they're sending bounty hunters to try to find her? Do you think? Do you have any idea what might be the importance of Omega for them, apart from, I guess, in being part of their family or something? But do you think there's another reason they're so inclined to find Omega? Not offhand. I usually don't get too crazy with mm-hmm. with CIH because I feel like if you create a CIA, you might get attached to it, and then you get disappointed sure. when that doesn't happen. And mm-hmm. I haven't really thought about any CIAs, and, but when you were asking that question, the thing that popped in my head is she's high value whether that is value to one of their clients, whether that's value to them, whether it's value to a purpose that she has, she's obviously high value. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I try not to, to speculate too much because I don't want things to uh, go one way when I was expecting another way. I was kind of sure. worried when Fennec Chan was hunting her down and we didn't see who hired her. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, we assumed that it was Camino, but I was hoping that it wasn't yeah. going to be her, the her, the person that she was cloned from. So mm-hmm. I, I, I like the idea that she is cloned from Django and not from somebody else. So yeah, that I'm, I'm that that's the only thing I'm I'm crossing my fingers up because I'm like, mm-hmm. please don't be her the mother that she was cloned from. Be please don't be the woman that she was cloned for. You know. Mm-hmm. That would be yeah. it because I find that story to be more interesting if she is a Django clone. Yeah, and that, that's I've been hearing that a little bit more often that she that design of Omega looks similar to a young Boba Fett on the Clone Wars. So we can we we'll see. I think I'm hoping that we'll learn sooner rather than later who I, she was cloned from, what if she has any of these advantages that the Bad Batch has, what it is. So. I do have one, I guess you can call it theory. I think she's unaltered. Okay. I, I, I don't think, I think she ages normally. Okay, that's something that I heard yesterday also, and I hadn't really thought about it too much, but it will be interesting if it's another unaltered clone. So. It, 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 it will be really interesting. 
And yeah. I, I, I try, I'm trying not to get too excited here, but <laughs> with David Filoni overseeing everything and him connecting Bad Batch to the Mandalorian with Fennec Chan, we know where they're going, or we have a general idea that they're going to do a TV version of Hatch the Empire with Thrawn. I mean, obviously, it won't mm -hmm. be the same story, but we know that Thrawn is the end game. Yeah. What if we see an older, older Omega? Because, oh, be, yeah. because, because by the time that event happens, it, that event probably won't happen for another two or three years. Mm -hmm. By that time, we could get two or three more seasons of the Bad, bad Batch. So if she doesn't age, which if, if I if I was in creative, I would have Omega age normally because she mm -hmm. looks like she, she ages normally. So And then you can have her around. Obviously, not connected to Ray. I mean, get that out of no, your no, head, people. No, no, but, no, please. <laughs> but, 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 you know, be a presence and a character. Kind of like what they're doing with Gogu. Where they're mm -hmm. telling his story, and then ten years down the line, they can tell like his adult life or whatever, yeah. creating these characters mm -hmm. that they can build upon. So yeah, I I believe that she is unaltered. That'll be very awesome if she's unaltered, and then down the line she shows up shows up at the end of this expanded universe that they're doing with that TV shows, bringing everything from the Mandalorian together with Throne of the Empire, and then she's there as an adult. I don't know age-wise 40 45 or something like that it'll be very interesting and first time i heard that so yeah that'll be really cool see uh, so, so 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 i i gotta crack this joke here could you imagine her meeting boba fett and oh looking at boba fett and be like well you look like heck whatever heck because you know the actors <laughs> older where boba yeah. fett is supposed to be more than the you other know, 40, 40 50 and she's like you know it's kind of like the, wow the world did not treat you well yeah, I mean, those people that end up on Tatooine, look at Obi-Wan, how much he aged. And I mean, Boba Fett was in the belly of the Sarlacc for a few years or something. So it's understandable that he's a little bit messed up, but maybe not that much. Um, so then we had the return of Crosshair and the Empire. I love this shot. It doesn't look too great in this screenshot, but I love seeing this shot in the animation where it dropped yesterday. I love just the animation in general. The whole episode was great, or the whole series. But how are you feeling with Crosser? I like Crosser as the bad guy right now, part of the Empire. I'm really liking his storyline so far. What are your thoughts about Crosser kind of jumping from the Bad Bash now being with the Empire and where, where his story might lead? At first, I was a little bit disappointed because I was like, the show is the Bad Batch. I want to see the yeah. Bad Batch, and then you have a traitor. But now I really yeah. like it. I like where they're going. Another theory that I really have connected to is that he's going to lead the team that will eventually become the Death Troopers. That yes. makes a whole lot of sense mm -hmm. because those are elite troopers. So that definitely makes a lot of sense. And it, it's really interesting to have one of their own hunting them. Yeah. And to have that dynamic because you have their brother who they mm -hmm. love be, even more than regulars being turned. Mm -hmm. Like, you know that the shows hopefully, well, they could end up with Crosshair dying or it couldn't. But you can see the Bad Batch actually fight to save their brother. And now, going back to Rex, now they know how to remove the chip. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Will they try to get Crosshair in, in control and remove his chip? It will be very interesting. But that's something I talked about yesterday. It's because I have I've heard that before that maybe this is the beginning of the Death Troopers and he's the first one. 
and jumping a little bit ahead on this episode by the end we know that he's hit with that blast from the engine he gets all scarred and maybe that has some issues with his eyesight he can't be a good sharpshooter anymore maybe they do some enhancements on him and that's where the death trooper comes in his vocal cords might be all messed up and then we have that weird voice that the death trooper have on rogue one i know in resistance the other tv show they do talk regularly but maybe this is the beginning of the death troopers with crosser as one of the first one i really would like to see that happen because i crosser wasn't my favorite of the bad batch group when they came out in clone wars but i'm really liking him being this antagonist to his brothers like you said because eventually they'll have to confront each other a little bit more than they did in this episode because i really didn't talk too much about it but have kind of a, a one a four and one talking about hey we're brothers why are you doing this we're still on the same team i want to see that come to a head but having crosser as the villain right now for this group is really interesting to me and seeing how the empire keeps growing and growing in this new universe is very interesting and something that i didn't think this show was going to be about but it's what it's really interesting me about it's keeping me interested about it Another thing that I thought was interesting is we see that Crosshead got injured and to me it is very symbolic. We see this a lot in Star Wars where if you set down the path of evil, it leads to damaging of yourself. Like we saw this with Anakin, you know, he loses his limb and eventually he gets burned and scarred. We yeah. see this with, with Palpatine, you know, with getting scarred. So it, it, it's that reminder, we see this a lot in Star Wars where if you're evil, and if you continue to shut down the evil, it, it makes you physically repulsive because it's a visual medium. You need to yeah. show it. When in real life, it might not be the case where it's like it, it, it leads to scars that build up and build up. You become ugly and uglier. Yeah. I mean, very, very, a very cool way to see the evilness kind of a visual representation of it. And you're right. It's Star Wars does that a lot. Look at snow for the all of the sequel trilogy also all scarred and messed up but then the big reveal at the end is cat bane so hunter and everyone's running back to the ship they're trying to get out of there and then all this squad that crosser had sent over to protect the ship had been killed and then we had the reveal of cat bane as the guy out there look at that guy cat bane is back i know a lot of people laughing as their favorite bounty hunter. I've always liked Kite Bane. I really enjoyed seeing him here. I was very surprised. I didn't expect him to be there, but it was great to see Cat Bane. So what were your thoughts when you saw Cat Bane? I guess first heard him because we hear that voice first and that's like, oh man, that's Cat Bane. And then we have, we get the reveal. All right. So we knew that there was going to be a reveal this episode because there mm -hmm. was hype build up, build up on Twitter and there was a lot of speculation that it was going to be Cal. So my mind was focused yeah. during the episode that one of the people that it, I was like, it was, it's too soon to be Cal uh, mm -hmm. to be there. But when they were trying to stop the people from escaping and you saw that familiar outfit, I'm like, okay, it's one of those people yeah. going to be turned out to be Cal. And then we went back to Camino and we saw them talking mm -hmm. and I, my mind went to Boba Fett. I'm like, okay, yeah, so they're, they're going to bring in Boba Fett because mm -hmm. Lucasfilm right now is hot on Boba Fett. And I was like, okay, I get it. I mean, I like this younger version of Boba Fett. You know, it makes sense. And so, and then it, I didn't even think about it. 
<laughs> and then we see them go to the ship, and you had the clone troopers knocked out, and my mind went to some sort of Jedi. I was okay. like, okay, leave. I, I don't want to see Ahsoka in this, because we already have mm-hmm. a story in a book. I think at this period of time, she shouldn't be around or something. I'm like, oh, don't, sure. you know, it, it's <laughs> going to be... So, so I was like, Ahsoka? You know, <laughs> or it, it, some other source, source of force you there. And then I was eating at the time. So... <laughs> And then we hit a voice, and I don't think it really connected. But when we saw, when it was really confirmed to him, I may or may not have audibly screamed a couple of times. <laughs> so, because he's my favorite bounty hunter, I think he's oh, awesome. Cool. He think he's cool. He's a lot more efficient. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't get defeated twice by a blind guy like a certain somebody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can see I I have my love for Boba Fett back here. I love my guy. But yeah, Cat Bane, he's he's one of the best out there. And when I heard that voice, I I knew I before that when I saw the dead clone troopers, I had no idea who was there. I didn't know what happened. I thought Boba Fett when they mentioned bounty hunters at the beginning, because I saw that Fennec Shan in that episode she was talking to Boba Fett. But then when I heard the voice, I I also can I didn't scream. I probably yelled, Ah, Cat Bane! I was really excited and the design let me put this picture back up the design of cat bane is just like i mentioned the animation of this show is top notch and the way cat bane looks in this episode with this little droid was was great and it's a great surprise seeing him there he has that western standoff with hunter he wants Omega. hunter tried his best but unfortunately you can't go toe-to-toe with cat bane just on a straight up shootout so hunter gets knocked out were you at all concerned that Hunter might have died at that moment, that they might have killed him, or did yeah, it's too early to kill any of the Bad Batch? So before I talk about that, when they were having the draw off, I'm like, this is very familiar of his confrontation with Boba Fett. Okay. Mm-hmm. And to me, I saw that episode, and for me, it's more world-building, because mm-hmm. yeah, spoiler alerts for the deleted <laughs> story arc, but in the deleted story arc, Boba Fett and Cad Bane have a shoot-off mm-hmm. where Boba Fett wins. He kills Cad Bane and Cad Bane gets his helmet. That's where it gets the thing. But yeah. I was like, okay, I'm watching this shot and I'm like, okay, you're establishing that Cad Bane is a shooter that you don't want to have an old Western style because mm-hmm. he's quick. He's a quick yeah. draw. To me, that is establishing that we're going to see it later again with Boba Fett, with Boba Fett winning again, telling that story that was deleted in a thing. So I'm like, okay, you're establishing it. So I was not, so I was like, I was not, I'm a huge Cat Bane fan, but like the Bad Batch, they're the main characters. So when that was happening, I'm like, okay. I, you, I was, I was kind of like expecting Hunter to win or some sort of thing to stop him, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he gets shot, and I, I didn't think much about it. And then uh, over time, I was like, did they really? No, no, it can't be. He didn't move or whatever, and they pick up Omega. And I was more stunned because we knew that Omega was going to eventually get captured. I was more shocked, like, no way. No, they killed Hunter. Oh my God! Yeah. But we see that that did not happen. But when that happened, it didn't click at first. Yeah, me neither. But but um, after after a while, like no, no, if if they would have killed him, it would have been ambitious. It would have been bold. It would have been shocking. Yeah. It would have been tragic. Uh, 
But yeah, <laughs> you know, even though he was still alive, it didn't take me out of that moment. I was like, oh, no. So yeah. I don't know. I didn't for not for a second that I think he was dead. And I don't know why. I think I was still hyped about seeing Cat Bane that I think I didn't think about Hunter. But the more I hear people talking about, oh, we did think that Hunter was dead and he got shot right in the chest. So yeah, that was a good possibility. And you're right, if they would have decided at that point, halfway through the first season, to kill the main bad batch, it would have been bold and ambitious. But yeah, hope thankfully that didn't happen. But unfortunately, Omega got hit upside the head with that droid jet booster, got taken, was captured, and then the rest of the Bad Batch come, they pick up Hunter. We had that great shot looking from inside his helmet as they drag him back into the ship, which I thought was a great shot by the art department. And then they head out. Now they have to try to find who took Omega. What's Cat Bane gonna do with her? So as we kind of close talking about the Bad Batch and this episode, um, I know you say you don't like theorizing too much, but what are you hoping to see on the next, on these final eight episodes of the first season? Anything in particular you're hoping to see or that you think we might get? Before I answer that, I want to say that the Bad Batch sure takes a beating. I mean, poor Record <laughs> gets hit in the head Every multiple times. I mean, Crosshead is scarred. I wouldn't be surprised if Hunter got some sort of damage getting shot like yeah. that. It's just like the, the, the poor, poor baby just, just keep <laughs> keep getting beaten up. I just yeah, but they they really go through the ringer. Um, to answer your question, I am just trying to enjoy the story. I don't really have any theories or where I would like things to start to go because obviously that's predictable thing. I mean, obviously they gotta mm -hmm. save Omega. Uh, to me, I see them going to an ally or allies to okay. to save her, to, you know, to go into the base to try to save her. I see them having some sort of conclusion, obviously with Crosshair. I don't know if we'll see that all in season one. I think if I were them, I would try to stretch the show into like at least three seasons. Mm -hmm. So at at the end, of, it's really hard to say because we know it's really hard because Mandalorian season two is like, okay, we know this is going to happen. Oh, they'll save that for the last episode. And then mm -hmm. it's like the ne next episode. It's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. So it, it's really hard to say if they're going to go and save the next episode or if they're going to have a couple episodes in between. It's really hard, but we know they're going to save her. The question is, is they go? do they go to Rex for assistance? Do they have another ally? Do they go to Saw Gerrera? Do they, like, what? what is that going to, to be like? It, it's really hard to speculate with any confidence because mm -hmm. it, it is so wide open but we know they're going to save omega yeah i mean as we're talking here the name that comes to mind that they might try to reach out i think is the martez sisters they have some yeah. connection to the underground and to the underworld so they might be someone hey we're trying to find a clone to, uh bounty hunter that looks like this this little whatever maybe they're the ones that they reach out to I'm just the Martez is a little bit more to do than just that one episode that they were there. So yeah, it will be very interesting how they move forward for the second half, trying to find Omega. I also think our other bounty hunters now going to be chasing Cat Bane, similar to what they're doing with the Book of Boba Fett comic with other bounty hunters trying to get Han Solo. Will other bounty hunters, Fennec Shan, who knows if Boba Fett or, or anyone else, 
goes after Cat Bane to try to get Omega to bring the bring her to the to Camino. So we're very interested in what they do with the last eight episodes. But yeah, it's very difficult to speculate. And like you said, we try to keep it fun, not a lot of speculating and theorizing because when it doesn't happen, we don't want to get mad. We just want to enjoy the story that we're told. Um, and I think if you're good, if you have anything else to talk about or that you want to say about this episode, I'm ready to move on and talk some Count Dooku. Are you ready? I am definitely re ready, but I would like to say quickly that it was yeah. so great to see the Montel, I'm butchering that name, sisters, <laughs> back in Bad Batch. Yeah. And it's, mm -hmm. it's very Clone Wars where you have featured characters in this one arc and then they come back. It was... Mm -hmm. I was hoping we would see them again I, because I really like seeing them. They gave a good perspective mm -hmm. of the universe, and I'm looking forward to it. And, yeah, I, I think it makes a lot of sense that they might actually reach out to the Mattel sisters, but we know that they have a connection with Rex. Um, but I can definitely see them not necessarily joining the rebellion or the pre 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 rebellion, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but working with Bill. I can see that, but it, it, it's really hard to say. Yeah. And yeah, one thing just saying about the pre-pre-rebellion and that you mentioned at the very beginning, how much time has passed since Order 66 to where we are now in the Bad Batch is that question that we are all asking. Because at first I'm like, man, everything's happened too quickly. It's how is the Martez sisters already talking to Rex? How did Rex get in, talk, in touch with them? It's only been a few weeks. But then the previous episode, we know that they've been on a bunch of missions because of all the Martel mix that Omega and Wrecker has, have been eating. So it has to have been a couple of months, at least two to three months, I think. But it's hard to tell how long, how much time has passed. But it'll be interesting going forward. That That, that is a thing about canon is they try to be very ambiguous about what mm -hmm. the time period was it's kind of it's also a little frustrating it's like oh this takes place right. we're not telling you exactly when you know because they want to be able to have that flexibility to move up and down the stories mm -hmm. and tell stories in between stories i get it but it's really frustrating not having that you know that story pinned down to it that time theme. so that's definitely on purpose yeah all right so episode nine of the bad bash coming out next week Wrecker is down. I mean, Wrecker, it's so me having all those headaches and hitting his head, like you say, has a few concussions. Hunter is down. Echo and Tech, I'm sure, are going to get hit sooner or later. They all, they all are getting hit and hit hard. Poor Crosser got burned. So, yeah, they're suffering a little bit. So, we'll see next week. But let's move on to our next segment. And since we're talking about a book that came out a while ago, this segment is our Star Wars Rewind. All right, and today we are talking about Dooku Jedi Laws. It's a great book by Kevin Scott, who's one of the architects of the High Republic. He has one of the new High Republic books coming out in a week or so, The Rising Storm. Can't wait to dive deep into that. But today we're talking Dooku Jedi Laws. So for you, because you read this book or listened to it before I did, so this came out as an audio drama, right? Was it an audio play? Do you know the exact phrasing? Is it an audio drama, audio play? I a lot of people call it an audio book. I call it an audio drama. Okay. Uh, because audio books are usually read by one person. 
mm-hmm. with maybe one or two other people doing voices for certain characters, where an audio drama is full production, where you have multiple people that actually have the cast. So mm-hmm. I count it as an audio drama. A lot of people call it an audio book. I think the technical term is a audio drama. Yeah, and I do think you're right because this is when you read it as a print form like I did, it's basically a play. It tells you all the characters, who's talking, what the setting is, any background noises. It's very descriptive, like an audio drama would be or a, a play that you would watch. So real quick, are you a, before reading this book, were you a Count Dooku fan? What made you say, yeah, I'm going to dive into this book or this audio drama when it came out? So one of the stories I always wanted is I wanted it more stories featuring Count Dooku and Yoda. I wanted that because Count Dooku, even in Legends, and I always have to put a disclaimer, I am still reading Legends, so I have to be very familiar. But even in Legends, they really didn't dive into his character in a lot of depth. I mean, obviously, he he pops up in these other stories, and he's in the Clone Wars. And we see him as a Sith Lord, but we really didn't dive into his youth, where he came from, his background, his training with Yoda, his, how he was master to Qui-Gon and their relationship. So this was a, it wasn't the exact story because it didn't dive into these particular stories as deep as I would have liked. Like mm-hmm. it would have been awesome to have a whole book about Qui-Gon and Count Dooku yeah. and their relationship. Uh, or vice versa with Yoda and uh, Count Dooku, we get bits and pieces of those stories in it, but it was still a story about a character that even in Legends there wasn't a whole lot about. Mm -hmm. Before then, it was really kind of hard to be a Count Dooku fan because, again, there wasn't much about him. Just the Clone Wars that we really knew about, it was kind of hard to really get attached to him because he he's an old man at this point in time. I believe I believe canically he's in his eighties, so you have this whole life that you don't know nothing about, and yeah, you can like him, you can be attached to him, but there's a whole lot of mystery because even Palpatine, we see him later in life, but with the Dark Plagueis book, we see more of his life. Count Dooku never really got that. So, yeah, I was, and I, like I said, I'm a prequel baby. So, any stories that connect to the prequels or take place in the prequels, I am really right away excited for. So, yeah, when it was announced in 2019, I was really excited for it. And, 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 and you have Ventress, and I love Ventress. Yeah. I mean, Ventress, one of those characters created for the animation, has just took a life of her own, and everyone loves her, and they've done a great job with her. And she's great in this book also. I thought we were gonna get a little more with her, but it was really focused on Kanduko and his childhood from being an initiate in the Jedi Temple, and then as a Padawan to Yoda. And then he was he has his his mentor, this other Jedi, uh Lina Line Costana. That relationship was great. And yes, seeing Count Dooku, I was a I like Count Dooku from Attack of the Clones from the Clone Wars, but wasn't that big of a fan. So that's probably why I didn't pick the book or the audio drama when it came out, but I only heard great things about it. So reading this book, and not only did we learn a lot about Dooku growing up, but also life inside the Jedi Temple for these younger Padawans, which is something we've never seen before. 
And I found that very interesting, very engaging seeing this lightsaber tournaments that he was going to, so a master could pick his Padawan apprentice, uh, the different houses or clans that they had. He's part of the Hawk Bat clan, and there's like two or three more clans out there. It made it feel like this Hogwarts of sorts, like this Harry Potter type of life out there that we've never seen in Star Wars before. And I do hope that we see more of that, even a TV show, if it's animated or whatever, seeing that life of younger Jedi as they're growing up inside the Jedi Temple was very interesting. And one of my favorite parts of this book, did you enjoy that part, seeing that Jedi life inside the Temple for younger Jedi? Oh yeah, because one of my favorite books, I mean, obviously I didn't read all of them, but growing up, I am the Jedi Apprentice generation. Okay. <laughs> For people who do not know, Jedi Apprentice is a book series done by Judy Watson that tells the relationship between Obi a young <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn and how their relationship ship gets tight tightened up and how it originally started. And we get to see a little bit of inside the Jedi Temple and Obi-Wan's training and how he Qui-Gon picked him and we get to see mm -hmm. that relationship and we get to see a little bit of that pre-prequel trilogy side uh, of the universe and stuff like that so yeah it was really great to see that and it was it was great world building as well because not only did we get to see inside the Jedi Temple and their policies and all that sort of thing but we also got to see what the universe was like before the prequel trilogy yeah. and uh when i originally no i'm, tr I'm trying to think here uh, i when i originally read it that was before i read dr plagueis um mm -hmm. so so it was my first time really seeing that outside of the jedi apprentice books that i here and there that i read when i was younger so and I, and i would assume that for many people i especially those who are new to Star Wars and like you and I decided to jump into the mm -hmm. extended universe. Uh, that was probably their first time seeing that side too. Yeah, because I haven't read the those first books that you mentioned. I haven't read the those, but seeing this world inside from the eyes of a younger Jedi is very interesting because we're used to seeing that in the movies, Anakin, Obi-Wan and all that. We see the Jedi temper from their eyes, but seeing it from the younger kids, not even Padawans at this point, just initiate getting in trouble, having their little groups, always the the rivalries going was very interesting. This kind of growing growing of age kind of story for Dooku. We see Sifo Diaz also that was only a mention in Attack of the Clones. He has, I think, a few, one episode in Clone Wars maybe. And then he's really featured here as Dooku's best friend. He's having all these visions and premonitions of the future. The Jedi Council, we see how they start. Uh, forget about it. Don't don't mess with it. We don't want to deal with it. And we see how the council starts kind of that downhill that we see in the prequels. But also this book is told through different story points or different point uh not point points of views, I guess, and different timelines. We have Asash Ventress looking at all these recordings from Dooku's early life while at the same time she's chasing down Dooku's sister. We find out that he has a sister and Ventus is tasked with finding her. Did you enjoy this back and forth between the stories or was it a little bit confusing keeping track of it? For me, it's myself, I did enjoy the back and forth, especially because we learned also a lot about Ventus. But did you enjoy this back and forth in the timelines? I would have to say that 
before I dive into that mm -hmm. is this book is Count Dooku's book, but it serves more than one purpose because we do get to learn more about Dooku's life, his origin, his family, but we also dive into Ventress' origin when it comes to how she became in canon mm -hmm. into the services of Count Dooku and her past. Like, we get to see a little bit of that in the Clone Wars. So it kind of, like, served a little bit as her origin, too. Now, yep. the, the, her story is similar as it was in Legends when it comes to how she was, how Dooku came across it, but with a little bit twist or whatever, because... Mm -hmm. The story takes place shortly after she comes into the service of Count Dooku. She still has burns from the lightning um, yep. from their first encounter. And another thing is it, it expands on Saifo Diaz. Yes. So it, 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 it is Count Dooku's story, but it has a lot of... For, for me, it is the canon version of Dark Plagueis, mm -hmm. uh, where it is a book that expands upon the prequel trilogy that answers a lot of questions. I am not in love with Dark Plagueis for another issue, but hmm. you can definitely see the relationship between it. It's, it's two books that take place before the prequel trilogy. It connects to the prequel trilogy. It answers a lot of questions that we have about the prequel trilogy. And it just... So to me, it's like the canon version of Dark Plagueis focusing on different characters. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, so it, it, it's about those three characters. Back to your original question. The first time I listened to the audio drama, it was a little bit distracting, being like, okay, what timeline are we in? We're jumping back and forth. But I really like the setting. But mm -hmm. it's another thing that canon does is it tells stories of a story being told in inside of a story, and that allows them flexibility of uh, air of to tell it. It's like, if there's any contradiction, it's like, no, this person was telling a story. Mm -hmm. they, yeah. they, they obviously didn't remember it, right, or whatever. That, that's just, it. again, how they tell stories. It allows them more flexibility. However, I still really enjoyed it, but it's also, like, really frustrating because it's like, okay, that didn't happen. Well, it, they were <laughs> telling the story. Uh, the story. What really got annoying or just distracting is, is when Ventress was watching the journal of Dooku, of mm -hmm. Dooku telling a story. So it was okay. a story inside a story. Yeah. <laughs> Inception level. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I get what, how that can be confusing just reading about, I mean, listening to it. Uh, but I did enjoy learning a lot about Ventress because we know Ventress from Clone Wars is this great assassin out there there's so much to her or how she came to that point. She was sold off by the Night Sister, then became a slave to this other person. Then her master, Kainarek, kind of breaks her free, but really didn't train her as the other Jedi would, was never taken to the temple and go through the same Jedi process that Dooku came to. And she kind of is jealous at, at, at one point about not being in those Jedi tournaments and then seeing how broken down she is, she's having these conversations with the ghost of her dead master. And he's trying to tell you, you can escape. You don't need to be here right now. And she just feels so threatened by Dooku that she can't run away. So it's this character that we see her in the Clone Wars as this menace. But it's also, she's been beaten down to a pole where she, that's the only thing that's left of her. And it does humanize her a little bit. It also Dooku when he's growing up but it makes you feel bad for Ventress and everything that she's went through. And by the end of the book, I know we're jumping in and it doesn't matter. We're just kind of talking in general. 
his first task was finding Dooku's sister, and by the end, yeah, I told you to find her so you could kill her for me because I don't want her revealing my secrets to the Jedi or to the Republic. And then she just does it without question. And it's this character that we kind of feel for just by having her read or go through Dooku's story, but also her story in this book is very, it made her more sympathizing, at least for myself. Did you feel something like that? Oh yeah, for sure. Ventress is one of those characters that is always on the knife's edge. Like you always mm -hmm. could feel like at any moment before she actually leaves Dooku uh, that she could walk away from this. She, she, she always felt like she was a character on the edge. She, she yeah. wasn't as committed as a Savage Press mm -hmm. or a Maul Dooku. She always felt like she was on this edge. She, she felt very relatable. She felt like obviously she's a villain. She does horrible things. I mean, she's a freaking assassin. <laughs> yeah. But she always felt like somebody who you could be friends with, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah, just don't um, make her mad, but yes. Yeah, yeah. She, 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 at least that's the vibe I get. I don't know what that says about me. But uh, <laughs> when it comes to the conversation that she has with her former master, I, I am always, I, I commit to the idea that in Star Wars canon, Qui-Gon Jinn is the first one to go into the Force uh without doing without being able to come into a force ghost so when i was listening to it i was turned off by it at first because i'm like he she she shouldn't be around because we know that crygon was the first yeah. one to do it uh so i always took it that it was her conscious yeah and then when she find when she finally gives into the dark side and kills dooku's sister he's gone mm -hmm. so it, it it is uh i always took it that it was and if, if you listen to how he talks, he talks to somebody who is recounting stuff that she already knew. And where there yes. was holes, there was holes in his memory too. So mm -hmm. I always took it as her conscious or the force man manifesting as her conscious where he was telling her stuff that she already knew, maybe yes. has forgotten, but it wasn't this like thing. It's like, oh, I'm going to tell you something that you didn't know, you know, if that makes any sense. So I always yeah. took it that it was her, her conscious. Yeah, and you're you're absolutely correct. It's I know I said with her former master's ghost. I think that's the way they cannot they cannot say it's talking to the ghost. But yeah, it is of course her consciously trying to talk herself through everything. But it's very interesting uh, again learning more about Ventress this way. And then like you mentioned, we learn more about Sifo Diaz. We also learn a little bit about Duku's first apprentice. Um, Raul Averos that we met in Claudia Grace Master and Apprentice. He's here and also give us a little bit more background. We get a little bit, not too much, with Qui-Gon Jinn. Hopefully, if they do a follow-up to this story, then we can get that story of Dooku and Qui-Gon Jinn kind of grow, growing up, going through that relationship. Um, but we also start seeing how the Jedi and the Council at this point is already on the downturn. We see them telling Dooku and Sifo Diaz and Lene Costana, don't worry about Sifo Diaz's visions. We're not going to do anything about it. They were late trying to save that planet that was going to burn in, a, in the storm. Thousands of people died because the Jedi didn't act properly. They're telling Dooku to suppress his emotions when he found out that he had a family out there. And then there's corruption in Saudi Council because one of their members had a son had a kid that's now a Jedi. So we start seeing that the Jedi are not these holy people that we believed. And by the time we get to the prequels, they're already 
too far gone and Palpatine is able to do things right under the nose. But I did enjoy seeing this part of how the Jedi Council, even Yoda, which I love, was already, ah, dude, you got to listen to to the young kids. They're telling you something. Uh, but it's cool seeing also that the Jedi Council already going that downward path. Yeah, it, it was definitely really getting that. It was definitely interesting seeing that perspective and that side. I mean, obviously, we saw it in other stories, but being inside of that when it was like 50 years before the prequel trilogy and that the dynamic and stuff and it also shows the republic too because we saw how you had the incident with the backer where you had people that were more concerned about their loss of profits than they were yeah. human life and, and and it just shows it it subconsciously built into dooku's Disillusionment, disillusionment mm -hmm. with not only the Jedi but with the Republic too. Yeah, yeah, that's right, and that just slowly pushing him to that separatist side because he sees the Jedi and the Republic not really helping everyone that they could help. The Bacta, yeah, okay, that's profit. No, but look at all the people that might die. We weren't here on time. If we follow what Sifo Diaz is letting us know, we can help more people out there in the outer rim or everywhere. And he starts to get dissolution with it. And we don't see basically anything with it on this book, but there's a little bit of Palpatine starting to manipulate Duke a little bit. So we can see how he kind of edges sword that end. Uh, so all in all, I really enjoyed Duke Jedi Lost. I wish I had gotten it sooner and probably heard the audio drama because it seems to be the, maybe the better experience, so I did enjoy reading it a lot. Um, there were a lot of High Republic kind of wings and knots, I think. Uh, there's mentions of a master Trennis, that's one of the fallen 20 of the 20 Jedi that are lost to the dark side, and we know there's a Keith Trennis in the High Republic, so is it the same character? Um, so yeah, can't wait to see if there are any more connections. Really enjoyed this book. Um, anything else you might want to say about Count Dooku, Jedi Lost, or just Dooku in general before we kind of close this show up today? So another, another one of the reasons why I really like this book is, is Count Dooku, he was a hero. We mm -hmm. see him when, he fought, when he's the villain of the story, but he's already have lived a full life. Yeah, he was at least when he turned to the dark side completely. He was probably in his seventies at least. You figure that he probably even then he even if he turned in his sixties, he was an old man. He lived a life. Mm -hmm. He yeah. he was a hill. He was renowned. He was a master. He had not only one apprentice but two. He 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 was a good man. Mm -hmm. And also in this book, we see that. He was the Anakin Skywalker of his generation. Yeah, that's right. He 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 was a prodigy. He was the, mm -hmm. the best of his class. He the, of his generation. He fell victim due to his family ties. It, it's really striking how similar his story is with Anakin, and how tragic it is too. Because he was a good man, mm -hmm. and it, it was his corruption. Uh, to, to the dark side, you know, being exposed to the dark side when they went to the planet with that the planet. oozing. Mm -hmm. uh, and also you had the dark side beast and you you can't put yourself in a generate when he finally snaps, you can't put yourself in that 
that situation and not be like I would have done the same thing because yeah. you, 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 he, he got beaten down by his his father, mm-hmm. it, it, his, his brother. They, he was he had it was an abusive situation. They wanted nothing to do with him. So of course he was going to snap. There was no way you would be in that situation and not snap. And I think that I, that's why I really like this book. And it really makes me a big fan of Dooku because, yeah, Dooku is a villain. He's the bad guy. He definitely should have died, and not just for the purpose for Vader to come about, but because he was a bad guy. But before he turned, he was a hero. Yeah. And, and, and I wish we would get more stories with the hero Dooku. <laughs> um and and I like this portrayal of Dooku more than I like the portrayal of him in Master and Apprentice because we see a little bit of the dark side and with him in Master and Apprentice but he was already a master at that time. Yeah. But but there was a still like a good forty years of his life where like I said he I cannot stress this enough he was a hero. Yeah, he's basically a a hero throughout this book till he kind of leaves the Jedi to be the Count of Sereno after his brother died and all that. And I do love in this book how we learn all the different ways that the dark side might corrupt someone. We always think about, oh, the Sith and Palpatine, they're corrupting a Jedi. No, there's, I think, the Takataka or whatever that weird bird is called. Then they go to the planet, which is very infused with the dark side, when they go to try to find some Sith relics. And that's what really starts turning Dooku to the dark side. And he kind of lets his whole power go and all the Sith lightning comes out. So it's very interesting that he wasn't corrupted by Palpatine since the beginning. He went through a whole life having all these dark side visions through Sifo-Dyas and dark side influences on the planet, the beast on, on Sereno. So that was very interesting. And like you say, he was a hero to the Republic, to the Jedi, to his planet all the way till the end. It was very interesting to see that whole turn. And hopefully we do get more with him. Like you said, there's like 40 or 50 years of stories that we can tell with him, with Ray Laveros, more with Qui-Gon Jinn. I do hope that they do focus on some of those in the, in the future. So very I, great. Yeah, go ahead. So we finish up. I, I just wanted to say one more thing. And I would like to say that when he walked away from the Jedi Order to hit, it, it was in good intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, 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 like you walk away from the book at that point in time when he's like, I'm just going to become a Duke. Uh, 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 yeah, not a Duke. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe a, also a, Duke. A count. A, a, a count. And I'm <laughs> going to take care of my people because mm-hmm. if the Republic comes in, they just only want the material that was discovered. Yeah. They don't care about mm-hmm. the people. So you get the fact that he was disillusioned with the Republic and the Jedi Order, that he he walked away from that, which exposed himself. I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. he opened himself up to the dark side, but he wasn't corrupted yet, which leads me to believe that he at this point in time, he was still good. I mean, obviously he gave into the dark side a couple of times, but he's still good, which leaves the door for Palpatine to come in Mm -hmm. and, and prey on his disillusionment which eventually turns him and embrace, embrace the dark side. And we see this symbiotically, like when he has the brace on his arm to, you know, to for balance. And when he takes that off, oh, yeah. he's immediately mm-hmm. exposed. That is sim- symbolic of him. He's like, okay, I know the dark side. I have it control. Mm-hmm. He took it. Then he, that comes off and he opens up to the dark side. And that's like a very symbolic thing. The last thing I would yeah. like to say is, is I hope we get a trilogy 
Mm-hmm. What do what this book like? The, we got the first one. The second one could be Palpatine corrupting him, and then the third one could be like what they're doing with the Padme trilogy and have it told in the in the okay. Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot that they can do with this, and I wish they had those wrappings for Anakin when he started turning to the dark side. Just wrap Anakin on those arm um, wraps, and maybe it would have helped. But yeah, for you guys out there, if you haven't picked it up, either paperback, audio drama, Dooku Jedi Lost by Kevin Scott, the great Kevin Scott. So pick it up. It's a great read. Even if you're not a Dooku fan, this book will make you a Dooku fan. So all right. So with that said, I want to thank my guest, Jedi Geek Girl, for being here. Pleasure meeting you. It's awesome talking with you, learning more about your podcast, I Rebel. Uh, talking about Bash and, of course, Dooku Jedi Lost. So thank you again for being here and let people out there know where they can find you. Sure. Again, thank you so much for having yeah. me on. I definitely could keep on talking about these yes. two things I really enjoy. If you would like to find me, you can find me everywhere at Jedi Geek Girl. You can find my podcast everywhere by searching I Rebel, a Star Wars podcast. You can also find my podcast on social media at I Rebel Destiny, and our website is iRebelDestiny.com. All right. So, again, thank you for being here. It was a pleasure. And, yeah, we can keep going on and on. Next time, we'll have you back, and we'll keep talking about Star Wars or everything. We can always talk about something out there. So, for myself, thank you guys that were here in the chat and were watching or listening to this later on. You can find us Twitter and Instagram on Radio Rebel Pod. We also have our website, Radio Rebellion Podcast. WordPress.com. We do have our book reviews there, podcast episode, news items, everything there. So thank you guys. Thank you again to Jedi Geek Girl and stay safe, be safe, and may the force be with you. Radio.